This episode of Beyond the Walls podcast is brought to you by our friends at McFarland Murray Chevrolet in Grayson, Kentucky, and by our contributors at Patreon.com. And welcome back to Beyond the Walls podcast. We're glad to have you with us here for this special episode. Today we are uh, interviewing a special guest, and we also have someone in studio. For those of you who have been longtime fans of the podcast, you may recognize this lady. Uh, She was actually the first interview that we did talking about uh, her life story when we did the Faith Versus, uh, and it was Faith Versus Lost, the episode. Tammy Nashawn is here with us. Tammy, welcome. Hi, glad to be here. Awesome. So, but the main attraction, uh, the keynote speaker, and the one that all of you have tuned in to see uh, and listen to. See, I say that as a, uh, you know, we sit here recording a podcast, but, uh, you know. I was going to say, I hope y'all can't see me. I'm in my pajamas. (laughs) Well, I have a face for radio, so, you know, there you go. Uh, But Mo Isom is here with us. Mo, thank you so much for joining us. Yes, thank you so much for having me on. This is a treat. Hey, before we get into talking about uh, the the books that you've written and some of the things that you've done as far as speaking engagements and your uh, your blog page, uh, tell us just a little bit about our about yourself, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, I will. I will start with the best of me. I am married to um, an incredible husband, just smoking hot. His name's Jeremiah, and he is such a gift. Uh, we live just right outside of Atlanta and have. Um, two daughters, a two and a half year old and a seven month old. Um, so the main element of me right now is mommy and wife. And I just absolutely love it. But, um, God has also opened some neat doors for writing and for traveling and speaking and just getting to spread the gospel in in a really, really important way. So I love that. I, I haven't always, um, known Jesus. I have not always been walking with Christ. I was kind of raised up in the church, but really went underwent a great deal of adversity and struggle. And, um, I'm sure we'll, we'll dig into a little bit of that, but, uh, came to know Jesus in a really radical, really beautiful way after my sophomore year of college and, um, really haven't looked back since I, he, he laid a very clear and powerful message on my heart. And it's just been my heart to share that, um, to a world that's really hurting and really struggling. And, um, and I, I, so am able to, communicate as a pilgrim, not just a preacher. You know, I, I just learned every hard lesson, every hard way. And, um, just really, I see, I see, um, a world that just needs hope and needs Jesus. And, um, so I love just getting to speak into some hard topics and kind of just breathe life and compassion and, um, grace back into them. So the most pressing question, I want to hit you with the hardest one right up front. Okay? Let's do it. LSU tiger goalkeeper <laughs> for yeah. the soccer team. Correct. Okay, That's it. so That's we right. are, you know, we are Kentucky fans here. <laughs> um, not that we ever have had a football team. We are a basketball school, so you know. But right anyhow, um, <laughs> here, here's the hardest question I have for you, Ed Ogeron. What, what are your thoughts? You know what? I really like him. I like him. Okay, so I played soccer at LSU, like you said, which, by the way, y'all are never competition in soccer or football. So this is. <laughs> okay, Mo, great interview. Thanks. I appreciate your time. <laughs> Tigers. <laughs> no, basketball, y'all sweep us under the rug. But, um, you know, I was there playing soccer when uh, Coach Les Miles was 
there. And I actually spent my fifth year of eligibility as an NCAA athlete training with and trying out for the men's football team. So I was under coach miles and, and that coaching staff. And, um, you know, I, it, it was bittersweet when he left, but it was also kind of time. And I love the spirit and the energy and, um, just the heart that coach O brought into the program. Um, cause he's just a Cajun boy himself. Like he's just Louisiana and he, he really kind of restructured some things behind the scenes that I think were important. And I'm, I'm hoping that we extend some grace, you know, building something great is in an immediate process. And right. if you're an LSU tiger and you lose one game, they want the coach gone. So mm-hmm. it's like, I hope we can be a, a, a team that extends a little bit of grace and understands the process. Cause I really think Pucho is going to do some amazing things. I mean, he already has in some really incredible ways. And if we can couple him up and get a good quarterback in there for once, finally, I mean, Lord, we haven't had a solid quarterback. I've not had a solid quarterback since Matt Flynn. And that was back in like Oh seven, Oh seven national championship. It's just kills me. So (laughs) if we can get a really solid quarterback in there and coach Oak can just really get his groove and, and have some time with the guys. I think it'll put Alyssa right back on the map as a, as a powerhouse. So here's, here's kind of the approach that, that I would like to take. Uh, because, you know, as a podcaster, as someone who does interviews and, and you yourself, you know, having kind of done a little bit of the circuit, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's hard to find different questions and new questions that yeah. you, know, you have not already been asked. So I want to take a little bit of a different approach. I know that Tammy has a few questions as we go throughout this that she's going to uh, pipe up and, and actually use her big girl voice and speak up <laughs> with here. But uh, <laughs> but here's kind of the approach that I would like to take. I um, you know just finished your book. And what I would like to do is I would like to share with you the things about your book, Sex, Jesus, and the Conversation the Church Forgot, that I love. I would yes, like to share with you the parts of that. it that I love and then just have you speak to those things, maybe the motivation behind them or what drove you um, from those areas instead of just asking, you know, cut and dry questions, just just give you a chance to kind of voice the inspiration and what you were feeling. Um, that sounds great. Okay. You can count me in for that kind of interview. Let's do it. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> well, the first thing, uh, I am a father of an 18-year-old uh, daughter who is getting ready to graduate and oh who is just chomping at the bits to get her hands on this book. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> uh, myself and our youth pastor keep saying no, 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 because it's the, the gift that we're going to give you. Of course, old dad will break down and wind up <laughs> giving it to her. But it just speaks to me as I read it through the lens of the father of a, of a teenage girl. It just speaks mm-hmm. volumes to me. But the, the first thing that I really loved about this book is that this book, it, it's not a book solely about sex it's about purity Mm -hmm. and holiness Mm -hmm. and and a pure lifestyle in front of God so I would just kind of like to get your thoughts as to the the leading you had to write this book yeah absolutely you know it's with the title being sex Jesus and the conversations the church forgot I think a lot of people do pick it up sort of with the initial presumption that it's it's kind of a sex book um but it's really not the case at all. Um, I, I desired so deeply to write beyond the surface layer on this topic because what we've, you know, beaten like a dead horse is the surface layer 
you know, areas of sex and of sexual sin and, you know, the ways that they've manifest. And we've spent a long time kind of speaking into and preaching around the symptoms, but we haven't addressed the aching, bleeding needs of people's hearts. And it's why we haven't seen transformation and revival. And it's why we have seen a culture only continue to slide further downhill, then find its footing and begin to march, you know, up, upward. And so, um, it, when, I had such a sexually broken backstory. And when I came to know Jesus, there was such radical transformation. And moving out of that, I realized only more and more and further and further that it that the 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 sexual deviance, the sin, the you know, struggles with pornography, all of these different things, they were symptomatic. They were responses to a heart condition that was aching and a heart condition that didn't understand what God had to say about sex and honestly, why it mattered to obey. Why did it matter what God had to say about sex? Why did it matter his instruction around it? Uh, No one had ever spoken to me about those things until I came to know Christ and was filled with the Holy Spirit and the great counselor began to make a lot of sense of it to my heart. Um, So it was important to me to peel back the surface layer and to dig in deep because the word of God doesn't return void and his truth is what compels transformation and understanding and, you know, answers the deeper questions and longings in people's hearts. And so, um, I knew coming out of a lot of sexual brokenness that what had happened in me wasn't that I suddenly was a good girl and was doing the right things. I knew it was that God had transformed my heart. And when I began to look through scripture you know, over and over and over again, I saw that the word of God was addressing the condition of the heart, the condition of the heart, the condition of the creating me a clean heart. Oh God, renew a steadfast spirit within me. You know, impure actions come out of an impure heart, pure actions come out of a pure heart. Mm -hmm. And so I just wanted to dig deeper and, and chew around the whys, why it matters, what God has to say about it. And, you know, what's at the core versus just what happens on the surface. And, um, so yeah, it, it was neat how it, it really became, I think, a book that was so much further beyond just sex. It was a book that speaks to the heart of man and it speaks to the heart of God and why he designed us and for what purpose and how he so beautifully can redeem that in our lives, no matter what our you know sexual brokenness looks like. So I'm wondering, that I love that answer. That was beautiful. I'm wondering, because you were going up against really the enemy, Mm-hmm. Did, did you feel it? I mean, have you dealt with the struggle? Has it been hard dealing with just what maybe the devil's trying to stop? You know, it's unbelievable. Okay, so 2015 is when God dropped this on my heart and said, this is your second book. Mm-hmm. He gave me the title. He gave me the structure. He just, I couldn't find a scratch paper fast enough <laughs> to begin writing down all that he was just downloading on my heart. And I never would have imagined because the publishing process is long, you know, it takes a while to write it. Then it's just a long process to actually get it out there. I never would have imagined how timely this message would be for where our culture is Mm -hmm. right now, you know, and outside the church walls, what's going on in our world. And um, that's just God being God and putting puzzle pieces together. But I, I don't know if I was even fully ready or understanding the extent to which shining light into this area that has been so darkened, Mm -hmm. had so much confusion, been so cloaked in shame, and honestly, 
there's so much, even within the church, there's so much misguidance mm-hmm. and lack of understanding and a lack of equipment that even within the church, it's been a shadowed area. Shining light and truth into that, I was not prepared for how much that was going to rile up mm-hmm. the enemy. And we actually, as a family, came came under unbelievable physical, mm-hmm. very tangible attack. We had a pest infestation in our home out of the blue that cost too much money to even talk about that insurance wouldn't touch. Then we had all four stories of our home flood. Then we had my grandfather's health rapidly decline and he died. Then my youngest daughter, who was three months at the time, is in the ICU for a week with these severe breathing issues and, and illnesses. And then my husband's mother has a stroke and then it was just attack after attack after attack after attack. Um, and it was very real. It was very tangible, but it, we also could brave those storms with such confidence and assuredness because the enemy is unfazed and doesn't really concern himself with you if you're ineffective for the kingdom. So true. You start stirring some things up and shining some light into some dark areas, you can expect it yes. to rile up, mm-hmm. you know, dark, dark areas, mm-hmm. I mean, dark forces. And so we just braved those storms and we, we trusted on the Lord and we came under the shadow of his wing and um, it was really neat because I got to stand up on the stage at Liberty University um, in front of like 15,000 people awesome. and deliver a message on it for the very first time, like speak about this wow. content for the first time. And it was so incredible because it felt like standing on that stage was a final battle cry <laughs> of, I am putting words on this. You won't be able to thwart this message. You can't stop it. And here's what God has to say about this. And the the attack literally ceased That's right awesome. after that. that we haven't we haven't come under that since. I know it's incredible. That's it's cool. really incredible. Yeah, Thank that you. was that was an amazing message, by the way. And there's there's a couple podcasts out there that have that, and some links to some different videos that we'll put in the show notes where you can uh, listen to Mo's message there at Liberty University. Okay. It was it was an incredibly powerful uh, message. And you had mentioned in your answer there, and this is kind of the second thing uh, that I loved about the book is that I, I feel like God is always raising up a, a now word, whether it's a new word or not. There's always going to be right. a now word. And I believe that what God has given you is this is a book for now. And the level mm-hmm. of transparency that you write with uh, is moving. It touched touched my heart. And I was just curious, is is there was there a tipping point? Because you say in the book that you, you know, had had someone ask you years ago if you would be sharing all of these stories and all this personal information had had somebody asked you if you'd be sharing that you said <laughs> no way absolutely yeah, not. not a chance yeah. um, <laughs> it, was there like a, a tipping point or or a place that that you can go back to where you knew that that this was what you needed to do and what god was asking you to do yeah you know that's such a great question it really it was a process, but there were some really powerful moments in that process. And when I wrote in the book that like, if I ever expected to be writing or speaking on this stuff, if you had asked me then, I would have just crawled under a stone and died. Like, <laughs> absolutely not. That was before coming to know Jesus and him just really transforming my heart. And so when I, when Christ just intersected my story and stopped me in my tracks, there was such a transformation that took place and a bold spirit that came upon me, even right out the gate of surrendering my life. There was this understanding of like, Lord, 
oh man, you promise you will not leave us or forsake us. Like our enemies, there's no weapon formed against us that will stand. And you're calling us to live bold lives for your glory. And so my, my response was really like, the scripture, you know, if you're going to send somebody, God, send me, like, I want to be used, use all of this. And, and I did really the, the most important moment I think came, um, a couple, a few years back where I had, um, I had shared about my testimony. I had written my first book, wreck my life, um, journeying from broken to bold. And that was my testimony of coming to faith. And I realized in the writing of it, this sexual testimony so paralleled everything else that was going on in my life as it also paralleled the transformation that came when, you know, Jesus really intersected my life. Um, but I couldn't just squeeze it into one chapter. Like it would do it a disservice. It was, it's a big conversation that needed to be unpacked. And so I wrote that book and then I was just kind of restless. I was like, there's more, there's more to the story. Like there's more meat to dive into here. And I began feeling this almost not anxiousness, but just this holy stir of like, there's another one to punch to throw at the enemy because there's more to, 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 to talk about that will, will wipe his knees out from under him. And I began to feel this stir of like beat, beat them to the punch. I felt this anxiousness of like, there's a lot of people who could read this and say, Hey, you left out something, you know, you left out a pretty big element of your life and I could hold this against you. And I know this about your reputation and you know, that shame creeps in. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, like absolutely. I was adamant. Like I will be the first to speak into this and claim this and boast in my weaknesses so that I can point to the glory of the cross. Like, just give me the time, you know, (laughs) let me, let me flesh this out, God, and let me be the one to speak it into my life so that the enemy doesn't have anything else to hold over me, you know? And um, so it was this kind of turning moment of like this great stir of it has to come out. We have to talk about these things because scripture calls us, like I said, to boast on our weaknesses so we can point to why that grace mattered. The next thing um, that I absolutely loved about this book, and this came out, I, I picked up on it as I was reading it. But this came out as I was actually uh, listening to it on audiobook. There, there was a whole new realm of it that opened up to me when we you hear it in the author's voice. You know, to hear you mm-hmm. tell this story, uh, to hear your inflection and your passion and the moments that you know you're you're really really connected with. One of the things that stood out to me that I love about this book is that for me it feels like this was a book while it was inspired by your story, it felt like it was ultimately inspired by God's word. And then you back yeah. up God's word, what it, the impact it can have in your life by the story of your life. And right, for right. someone who's a minister who's pastored for 20 years, that's, that, that's incredibly valuable and important mm-hmm. to me is because you see it. So, you know, the, the opposite of that is like, I want to tell my story and I want to throw some scriptures mm-hmm. in there. This really had a feeling of this is a book that's inspired by scripture, but mm-hmm. here's how that scripture has touched and changed my life. Uh, yeah. Can, can you, can you talk so to that good. just a little bit? Yeah. That, you know, it honestly, especially, um, coming from a pastor, from coming from someone who's been doing kingdom work for, for longer than goodness. I've, I've even known Jesus. It's like, that means so much to me that you would glean that because that was something that, um, is very true to this book. So, you know, scripture says that, that 
the enemy, the sin is defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies. So there is great power in our testimonies and there's power in our stories. But I oftentimes see, and I felt this even for sort of a, a wave of my ministry, um, it can become so much about the story that then people might be moved by the time you're done telling it, but they're just emotionally moved by a strong story. Mm. And that might stir hearts, but it doesn't transform hearts. Mm. The word of God, the Holy Spirit transforms hearts. And so, you know, my first book was a lot of my narrative. It really was testimony and um, there was scripture around it that supported and, you know, shined light into areas that God was teaching and revealing things. But I just knew with this book, it was just, it, it was different. I was, it wasn't, it, it, I couldn't lead with narrative here because there was greater depth to unpack. Um, and I wanted it to be led, like you said, by the word of God. I wanted it to be led by truth and by God's intent and his design around sex. And then the ways that our narratives usually come in and the ways that we've twisted it or missed it or cheapened it or perverted it or the ways our culture worships the created rather than the creator and sort of all the chaos that comes out of that. But then God's faithful truth of how he will redeem and restore and make all things new. And um, so it was a, there was, it's God's story. It was, it's God's, it was the ark was always God's design and God's redemption. And I thought with this book, how then do I fit my narrative in? But it's not about Mo. It's about God because that's what's going to really speak to people and resonate with people um, when our testimonies are co-laboring effort, not the leading story. And another point that that I really just loved about this book is that you, from the get-go, um, you really tackle the, the, the issue of the need for the church to educate on these, mm-hmm. on this topic instead of shame, because it, one of the things that I've always felt is like the church has, we've acknowledged the fact that God gives us a sex drive before we're intended to use it, but right. we acknowledge it from a place of, well, you should feel guilty because you're feeling these urges or that, you know, shame right. on you instead of helping to equip uh, our, our children to yeah. manage their sexual appetites. I, I would. I'm curious as to you know that being one of the things that you really lead with, um, in you know as at the beginning of the book and then all throughout as a theme. What are some of the things that you could feel like we could do differently as a church, or what was basically what was the inspiration behind that being a theme that that's underscored all the way through the book? Yeah, that you know I had just grown up, and and I'll say out the gate, this book was never intended to be a call out of the church. It was always intended to be a call up Mm -hmm. of the church. We can do better. Mm -hmm. You know, we can, we can do more here. And, um, you know, I had come up and I, I guess within the church, it just felt like the conversations around sex were the rule list of do this, don't do that. This is sin. This is not. And almost this, lack of conversation around the wise, also a lack of conversation around the celebration of sex as a gift from God, as an act of worship, you know, as something that, I mean, the very first conversation God has with man, he speaks of sex. It's something, it, sex is God's invention. And it's something he 
speaks of all throughout the word. Jesus was never shy to encounter and address the sexually broken. We see that all through scripture. And um, yet I didn't see, I saw the church kind of presenting the do this, don't do that, but then not knowing how to navigate the rest of the conversation. And what grew out of that was an incomplete prescription that was kind of causing infection. Mm. Like it was an incomplete, we were standing at the pulpit, shaking our frustrated fists at the, at the world based on their failing morality, yet we weren't addressing the needs of their hearts. We were presenting, you know, a, a, a rule list um, and, and limiting really the truth of God and the word of God and the fact that he's, he's not about behavior modification. He's about heart transformation. And it always comes back to the heart. I felt like this, this conversation of heart education and heart transformation and digging into what God has to say about sex, why it mattered to be obedient, um, what his design was. I felt like it was just lacking in the church. I felt like it was Almost, they were asking for um, asking for 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 you know, I guess actions and sort of a works based answer to really what is a life surrender question. Mm-hmm. You know, the church had a lot to say about virginity and save yourself until marriage, but didn't really have a lot to say about the purity that God mm-hmm. calls us to, and the depths of why it mattered to be pure vessels that He could use, um, and and. You know, it, what happens is that when we present people with that, um, the the human sinful nature is going to turn to like, okay, but then like, so how far is too far? Mm-hmm. Like, what can I do? What can I get away with? How can I push the envelope? And one really big area that I felt like um, the church lacked the right conversation and guidance in was celebrating sex for the power and the weight and the glory that it carried within marriage. And also teaching about the fact that these urges, these desires, we are sexual beings, both men and women. That's a big thing. The church sometimes mm-hmm. acts like women are not sexual creatures. Mm-hmm. Like, But it, addressing, this is knit into us by the creator. He created us like this with purpose, but he also put guidelines around it. And so in these seasons where we're not within the permissible area, He's still doing a good work. What is God doing in this time where he's made us sexual beings yet asked us to refrain from sex? Well, he's growing in us Mm self-control. He's growing in us a spirit of obedience. He's growing in us a surrendered nature of learning to take our urges captive, take our thoughts captive, take our wants captive and surrender them to Christ, to trust that there's greater design in his instruction and to actually grow in character through these really tempting, testing times. And the truth of the matter is that if we're, and that we see this plaguing our society, if we're not aware of what God is, is longing to teach us in the seasons, um, of life, then if we're not understanding that he's wanting to teach us self-control in the season of singleness, then we will never be able to fully operate in self-control in the season of marriage. Mm-hmm. So if we're not appreciating the season that he is, you know, grooming us and growing us and refining us through fire and through surrender and um, through obedience, 
then it's not like a flip just suddenly switches when we have a ring around our finger. He's growing us in that in singleness that we can operate in great humility and great wisdom in marriage um, and in self-control and in love and in self-sacrifice for another within marriage because it's a muscle that's been worked out in us in singleness, you know? And so I just, we could, I could talk for hours because I get so passionate about it, but I just felt like we, we cut the conversation so short as the church and we're missing the great instruction that he's actually wanting us to just lavish on his followers and lavish on this generation and um, open their eyes to and the complexity and the depth of what he's always doing. It's always so much more than just rule following. It is, it's about what's best for us and what's best for our heart and, and what's best for our lives as believers. I'm just thinking here about how you talked about the heart so much and just, I have, um, four grown children. My youngest is a a girl. Um, and just watching her navigate life. She's 20 now. Watch her, (laughs) watching her friends navigate life. And then just kind of observing them on social media and hurting for some of them who Mm -hmm. post pictures that draw attention to places that, you know, we wouldn't really want attention drawn. I mean, yet I think there's that temptation to just make big statements on social media, which I don't think are very effective. Um, yeah. When you talk about the heart, it really makes me think about the power of one-on-one with people yes. just um, having a relationship with them, you know, in yeah. order to be able to help them. Um, so I would just, I just had to share that. I just, it's so true. I think so much of the, of the sexual struggles that we see, so much of the sexual sin, so much of the immodesty, so much of the struggles, you know, guys and girls alike with pornography, Mm -hmm. so many of these things that we can just look at and, oh my goodness, you know, shake a fist at or roll our eyes at or just be heartbroken about and feel like, where's the answer? Where's the solution? This Mm -hmm. problem's too big. It's really, we have the ability to look at these things through the lens of truth and see that these things are symptomatic responses mm-hmm. to a heart that is unwell, to a spirit that is that is sick and or struggling. Mm-hmm. And I think when we can look at others and see that and no longer see like, oh goodness, just that promiscuous girl or that right. immodest girl, but we can say, man, what's going on with my sister's heart? Mm -hmm. Like what's going on with this girl's heart? Then we begin to really understand the scripture that talks about, we're not in a battle of, of, flesh and blood, we're in a battle of, of the spiritual realm. Yes. You know, we're in the battle of affliction to the spirit. And when we start seeing our neighbors that way, I think we can learn to love well and understanding that like transformation to the spirit comes from others loving well and extending themselves and relationship built and discipleship. And exactly as Jesus moved in his ministry, seeing people and loving them really well and addressing their hurt and, you know, asking the hard stuff and um, helping them walk through the process. And so uh, it can feel overwhelming if we just kind of look at social media, if we look at our culture, if we look at these things, but it humanizes it when we understand, okay, I can, I can speak to one person here. I can, I can, can help one person because this is, this is a long road, you know, and, and let me, God, if you open a door, I'll step into it and I'll love others really well. You know, if we look even just at statistics, pornography, let's look at just pornography. Mm -hmm. It is such a rampant and all consuming stranglehold that the Mm -hmm. enemy has on our world right now. And in 2016 alone on one website, one pornographic website in one year, we as a people consumed 4.6 
billion hours of pornography. That is 524,000 years of pornography or 17,000 complete lifetimes Mm -hmm. in one year on one website. And so we can either look at that and think, this is a monster that cannot be defeated. This is unfathomable. I can't, I honestly still can't even wrap my head around those numbers. Mm-mm. Or we can look at it and it can bring to light the scripture that says, no, no temptation that's overtaking you is uncommon to man. Mm. These are things that we're all wrestling with, that we're all in some capacity having to navigate, um, or that we're seeing others around us afflicted by. These are things that the enemy has a tight grip around our culture on. And so I will not be ashamed to speak into this stuff or allow the enemy to silence and shame mm-hmm. or this taboo feeling or like, oh, this conversation's so awkward to navigate. No, I will understand that we are in a, a, a time of greatly afflicted hearts. Mm-hmm. I will see them. I will love them. I will push past whatever discomfort. And I will understand these are things that, can actually unite us because they are they are struggles that we are by and large wrestling with. And um I don't know, I just I feel hope. Yes. I sense revival. You know, I sense God doing something really big in this sexual realm right now. I agree. And I, I feel his spirit just really rising up and it takes those who see it, who feel it, Mm -hmm. to then move on it and be activated to reach out to hearts that are hurting. Because you'd be shocked the number of people you will come across. It's not, you know, 4.6 billion hours that streamed into people's eyes that they were just so loity-doity, so happy and welcoming into their, a lot of people are addicted. A lot of people are afflicted and don't even want to be wrestling this stuff, but don't know the answers of how to be set Mm -hmm. free. So that's where we get to be activated and just speak right into it and love them well and, and, bring them hope and bring them answers and pray for them fiercely. Reminding me, and I can't remember the exact wording, but somebody said one time that whenever the devil does bring something up against you, we we almost need to just say thank you for allowing God the opportunity to show just how powerful he yes. really is. And yes, this is God, one of those, show us your glory. Yeah, this yeah. is one of those times. If Mo doesn't energize you and, 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 <laughs> Nobody and, does. and light a little bit of a fire on you, I don't know. Uh, as, as my pastor growing up would say, if that doesn't bless you, then your blesser's broken. You may want to get it checked out. So, um, okay, so my coming right off of the dad joke there, here's, we'll move on. <laughs> um, I love a good dad joke. Yeah, this yeah. is fine. Well, I'm full of them. Just ask my daughter. She'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> Not the last observation that I made from the book, but the the last one that I will will bring up here during this interview time is is kind of a two parter towards the end of your book. The last couple chapters, uh, one is I I love the fact that you tackle um, the sex expectations, and, yeah, and then you also acknowledge the fact, and you've talked to it a little bit already when we were talking about uh, you know managing our sexual appetites you know while we're single, but that doesn't change whenever we you know, get married, we just, we, we have to manage it towards one person. uh, Right. Right. So can, can you speak to those things about the, the importance of realistic sex expectations and then the acknowledgement of, Hey, you know what, even when you get married, it may not always be what you think and what you've been told that it's going to be. Yes. Yeah. So one of my favorite quotes from the whole book, and my sister-in-law told me this prior to me getting married. She said, prior to marriage, the enemy will do everything he can to drive you together 
And after marriage, he will do everything he can to drive you apart. And it is just so true because sex is this, this gift, this beautifully unifying gift from God. He will do everything he can to confuse you about it. And then after marriage, because it is this unifying gift, this great weapon against the enemy, this act of worship, will do everything he can to drive you apart, to drive you away from your spouse, the one that you're then invited to freely delight in this gift with. And so I think when we become aware of that, we can begin to begin to reckon with whatever stage or whatever season we're in, begin to really wrestle with this stuff in our heart and seek truth around it. And so what I see prior to marriage, that the issues that a lot of us are struggling with is that prior to marriage, we haven't known the truth of what God has to say about sex. We, many of us have navigated in some, some degree of sexual sin um, or misguidance or misbehavior, whatever it may be. And so we've allowed our broken experiences or the world or the culture to shape our understanding about sex. We've allowed that understanding of what it is to be shaped by a source that is of the sand, uh, you know, not of the rock, not of truth. And so therefore, even in all different walks of life, we carry in these false expectations oftentimes into marriage. And whether that is you know, the virgin, the one who has abstained, 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 and done it because people have told her, oh man, just wait, just wait. And suddenly in marriage, it will just blow, it will complete you. It will blow your mind. It'll be everything you ever imagined. And they're just, you know, not actually understanding the call of beautiful, peace-filled purity to wait in, but they're waiting for the sake of doing the right thing, this works-based answer again. And then suddenly they have this expectation that, Sex and marriage is going to just be everything the movie and the TVs and, you know, everyone's built it up to be. And suddenly sex is very different in marriage and they're disappointed by that. That was actually a great prompting to me writing this book. I read this viral blog post of a girl saying she waited until marriage and she completely regretted it. And it broke my heart, but it was because she had this false expectation. And so then you also have those who have lived in great promiscuity and unrepentant, you know, sexual sin. And it's been sort of a, Whenever I have an urge, I go to the computer screen. Whenever I have an urge, I get that one night stand or I'm, you know, hook up with my boyfriend or girlfriend. Well, they can often carry in the false expectations then that sex is a really a selfish thing. It's made solely for you, for your pleasure, for your benefit, whenever and wherever you want to access it. And you can step into marriage and realize that is very much also not the truth. And it just all different walks of life. We can carry in these false expectations when we don't know the truth of God's word around sex mm-hmm. and the truth of its purpose. And then what happens is when that stuff is not resolved or surrendered or repented of or, you know, wrestled through with God prior to marriage is that those become the very things the enemy will use to divide us once we are within marriage. Mm-hmm. We think we're not good enough. We think we're not desirable enough. We think our spouse isn't good enough. Oh, this chemistry is not working out. Suddenly, maybe we made a wrong decision here. I write in the book about how a good portion of my honeymoon, when suddenly I should be able to delight in sex and enjoy it and be with my husband. And I would roll over each time at the end of the night and cry Mm. because it wasn't what I thought it was supposed to be or expected it to be. And I was sure something was wrong with me or something was wrong with us. And 
you know, the reality is of sex is that it's two people. It's two people figuring out this great dance together. It's mm-hmm. two people figuring out how to be really vulnerable and naked, mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, with one another. It's this beautiful act of surrender. But if you've only ever seen it as a selfish fix, or if you've only ever seen it as a no, you know, abstain, abstain, don't, don't, it's bad, it's dirty. Well, then you're going to be afflicted when suddenly it's a permissible gift and you don't have a healthy understanding of it. And so uh, a lot to say that, you know, it's just we've got to wrap our heads and our hearts around it. We've got to turn to God's word and see what he has to say about it so we can be healed and whole and operate in it in its full beauty and power. And, um, that means we've, we've got to, we've got to get our hands on some things that are going to equip us with truth. And we've got to lean into conversations that might seem hard, but really are holy, Mm -hmm. you know, and we've got to begin to surrender our thoughts, take our thoughts captive, surrender them to Christ and ask him to not only transform our hearts, but rewire our minds, you know, create in us a clean heart, Lord, give us fresh perspective, give us fresh understanding, like give us a fresh word of your truth and help us move as sexually whole individuals um, in great power and redemption. And God's so merciful. He's so compassionate. Um, He cares so deeply that we come to know freedom and truth. And so, We've also got to move past these uh, lies that our sexual brokenness is something that, you know, God is not able to or even wants to redeem, that we're too messy, too broke. You would you would be astonished at the lies that people believe around sexual sin in light of the gospel when really God says, I took I took the cross. I took the cross to mm-hmm. set you free. Mm-hmm. And and that goes for the, the prostitute on the street corner as equally as it goes for you know, the woman who didn't understand the fullness of it and was living in this workspace mentality, it is, this grace is available for all. And, um, he has such truth. He wants to unpack to us. Tammy, do you have anything? Well, I I have something that I, if it diverts us from the book too much, we can come back, but it's something you just posted actually on Instagram I think mm-hmm. yesterday. And she is a, Mo, you are a great Instagram Ooh. follower, yes, by I the way. It. It's hilarious. Oh, thank you. Still, still curious about the coffee shop, the artist, what, <laughs> what was going on. And, and I saw where you were a part of this group of women, um, Center for Women in Leadership. Um, yes. Tell, can you talk about that for a second? And what could, could that look like bigger than Southeastern University? I'm just curious. For women. Of course, you know, those are questions that we're all still kind of praying through right now. So it was really special. Um, Southeastern University invited myself and um, several other, Lord, I honestly felt like the rookie, the baby in the room. I did not know how I was even invited to be there because they brought in just these incredible women who have done you know, immeasurable things for the kingdom who just for decades have been co-laboring with Christ. And, um, they, they brought a group of us together to honestly, just step one, begin to brainstorm and pick our brains and our hearts about what it could look like for Southeastern Mm -hmm. specifically to facilitate this center for women in leadership and, really embracing the gifts and the talents that women have been given, really understanding the full dose of God. You know, he says in his final days, he'll pour out his spirit that his sons and daughters will mm-hmm. prophesy. God is for women. Mm-hmm. He He uses them all through scripture. Mm-hmm. He has so much to say about the beauty and 
um, the power and the wonder that he's knit into women for very specific purpose. And so it was really this gathering of these great women who have been paving the way to say, what does it look like to kind of push past this conversation of like, can women, should women, and really begin to embrace, of course, women, Mm -hmm. of course, God has has equipped women to be, um, you know, lead in different ways, not just in ministry, but in politics, in, you know, medicine, in law, in the workforce, in all of these different areas. What does it look like to really cultivate and facilitate a place where women can, you know, these 18 to 22 year old women can come together and understand that um, they are leaders. And what does it look like to lead well? And what does it look like to lead as a woman, not at the tearing down of men, but to lead alongside as, you know, co-laborers, as helpers, as, you know, um, those who honor the beautiful design that God's made. And so we're, we're right in the early process of brainstorming what that'll look like at Southeastern and already our wheels are turning about like, what does that look like nationally? What does that look like globally to facilitate that type of thing? Because, you know, we're, we're so in a time that needs to move past the, we're we're just in the time. I feel like you always see a a, a smaller version within the body of Christ, a, a, big version within the world of what God is stirring and doing. So in the world, we see this women, feminism, loud voice rising up of women feeling empowered, which isn't all wrong, but isn't always done right. Right. (laughs) It's like, it's at the tearing down of men. It is at the, you know, equality means we must look the same and that's not even God's design. And we see this in a really big picture in our culture. And I also see it right now within the church of God raising up women of stirring and many women's hearts really rising them up into their ranks and creating really this army of women that um, need to be activated for the kingdom. And so, but, but done correctly yes. and done in truth and done around the, the model of God's word. And so I wish I had a better answer, but no. we're honestly right now at the forefront of praying around it, of navigating what it would look like and honestly just beginning to beginning the building process. And I can't wait to see what it looks like on a bigger scale because it's important. Be praying around it. I mean, just be praying that God would continue to kind of open our eyes to what that does look like, because what we really came to sort of, we're also united in spirit. It was really a special day, but it, it, it became sort of the joint voice that at least what this has to look like within, you know, Southeastern beginning mm-hmm. And we talked about this earlier in the podcast. It starts with intimate relationships. It starts with cultivating an environment where it's not just an arena of 20,000 people listening to one person speak. It's a a seat at the table. Mm -hmm. It's 10 people around a table from diverse backgrounds Mm -hmm. being able to contribute and have their voice heard and knowing that they're seen and appreciated and you know, what will grow out of cultivating the intimate will shift a culture mm-hmm. because it all starts at relationship, yes. you know? And so I, I I can't wait to see what it looks like on a bigger scale, but I, I really think the scaling of it will never, it can't ever rob of the intimacy that's necessary in it right. and like the relationship that's necessary in it. So um, yeah, it's lots to figure out, but I honestly think, goodness, once Southeastern can launch that, they won't be able to even handle registration. No, it will, will just not. blow up because no. women are hungry for They're it. Just starving. They're really hungry. They're starving for it. This is awesome. 
Right, Mo, a couple things, a couple quick things here before we let you go. We don't want to take up all of your time, um, but I want to just give you the opportunity. First thing, I just want to give you the opportunity to, is there something that uh, that you would like for us, for our listeners to know? I know that you, we've kind of got a little bit of a glimpse of, of what's next with what we just mm-hmm. talked about, but is, is there anything that you feel like we may have missed or something that uh, you'd like to, to tag on to what we've talked about here today? Oh, I would just reinforce, um, you know, the book dives in in so much depth and so many different layers. It really moves through um, my sexual narrative from honestly age eight to my, from my first exposure to pornography to, you know, 28 into marriage. And so it's really neat. I think there's a, there's a, a bite of pie for everybody in there. And it's been really, really special to see um, exactly what you voiced at the very beginning of reading it and growing an understanding of your for your daughter and, you know, um, understanding conversations or even her mindset, um, growing up in this culture right now. And so one of the most special things to see, and it was my prayer in releasing the book was that the Holy spirit would do immeasurably, immeasurably more with it than I could have imagined. And it's really been amazing to hear from the vast age range and men and women alike who have resonated with this word. And, I guess I would just encourage the listener listening in. If you're sitting there debating like, I don't know, does this fall in my category? Does it not? I really just encourage you to dive in, to dig through it, because I think it's really neat what the Holy Spirit's doing of speaking in, you know, many different tongues to many different people right now. Mm -hmm. And he is really, um, it's for the father. It's for the husband who, who wants to better understand their wife or even understand sex more fully in marriage. It's for the millennial female or male, who's just navigating this crazy world. It's for the parent who, you know, wants to be equipped in um, how to talk with their children about this stuff. Excuse me, but it's really just for anyone and everyone who, wants that better understanding even of their own heart and and how God's knit us and what he intends for us and why we're so apt to stray and wander and how he invites us back home. And so um, I just always love to share that with with listeners. Just um, if you're on the fence, take take the leap because I think there's um, definitely pieces of this, this book for you. And I think God has a lot to say and unpack um, even beyond my words in your heart through it. So I would just encourage that. I can't imagine anyone reading this book and being disappointed. I think that anybody that reads this book is going to walk away and feel hope and also just um, maybe normal because I think a lot of people, I mean, I have stuff from my past and that, you know, this spoke to. And so, and I'm sure uh, my kids do too. I know they do. So thank you for Mm -hmm. penning the words. Absolutely. The book's name again is Sex, Jesus, and the Conversations the Church Forgot, written Mm -hmm. by Mo Isom, who has so generously given us her time today. And Mo, just before we leave, the the one thing I would like to say from from a father's heart, and I will speak on Tammy's behalf yes. uh, as a mother also, thank you for um, giving us someone who we mm. can point our daughters mm-hmm. towards, uh, who is not perfect, uh, who mm-hmm. doesn't give off the persona of being perfect mm-hmm. and flawless, but someone that we can point them to and say, here is someone that you can uh, look up to here is someone that you can glean um, some wisdom from indirectly uh, because the chances they, they may never ever get to meet you or talk to you but the fact of the matter is, is you're you you have an ability to speak through their heart by what God is doing through your heart yes. so mm-hmm. from thank us here you. we say thank you so thank much you. and I would just 
uh, before I let you go, is it okay if, if I pray over you and Jeremiah? Oh, that would family? be wonderful. Um, because I, you know, one of the, the best, my, the best definition of self-control that I know is self-control is not how many things you can say no to, but being right. able to say such a resounding yes to the one thing that there are no other options. Yes. Uh, so as yeah. God continues to increase you in the in his favor and in the favor of man, I just pray that there would be just a greater level of self-control of understanding that uh, it's not how many things you can say no to, but still right. just keeping your focus on that one resounding yes so passionately that there are no other options. So, mm. Father, I just thank you so much for uh, what you're doing through Mo, uh, the, the words that you are giving her as she is being willing to just lay herself open and say, here I am, uh, this is my life, this is what God has done through me and done in me. And God, I just pray that that would continue to speak to people's hearts, as she has said, to to daughters, to sons, mm-hmm. to husbands, to fathers, to aunts, uncles, whatever. God, I just pray that uh, that you would give us ears to hear because I truly feel like what she has penned and the message that she is carrying is one that is so desperately needed Mm -hmm. and so incredibly Mm -hmm. powerful. So, Father, I just pray for her. I pray for Jeremiah. I pray for their girls, that, God, that you would place a hedge of protection around them, that Mm -hmm. we know that the enemy's attacks will come, but Mm -hmm. that is when they can fall into your arms and experience a supernatural strength that they've never, ever experienced before. So, God, I pray just increased blessing over Mo, over her family, and over her ministry. Mm -hmm. In Christ's name, Mm -hmm. amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. I appreciate you you. all so much. Love you guys too. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Beyond the Walls podcast. Again, a special thank you to Mo Isom for joining us today. We'd also like to thank our friends, uh, Billy, Linda, Pat, Marcus, at McFarland Murray Chevrolet. And we could go on and list a great slew of people down there, and I'm sure I'll hear from someone that I forgot. But we'd love to thank them for them coming on board as a sponsor of the show. Visit them at McFarlandMurrayChevrolet.com. If you're around the area here within a couple hours, it is never a waste of time making the trip to McFarland Murray Chevrolet. As we thank you again, please go visit us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the Patreon page. You can email us at beyondthewallspodcast at gmail.com. Until the next time, be blessed.